Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show podcast, Hour 2. Hello, America. Welcome. It's Eric Erickson here across the nation. The phone number on this open line Friday is 877-973-7425. Should you wish to be on the program, you're more than welcome to call in. But uh, you're going to have to sit there for just a minute. I, I want to make more of a point on this issue. Something I, I, I told the, the kids in Louisville last night. If you are a even passing listener of this program, you know I am an evangelical Christian. I've been in the seminary, not currently taking classes, but been take my faith seriously and totally down with the social conservative agenda of America. I am one of those social and fiscal conservatives. Uh, and I think that conservatives should advance laws that protect children from genital mutilation called gender-affirming care. Uh, I think you should. You you don't let kids get tattoos. You don't let kids drink. You don't let kids drive. You don't let kids vote. And yet you're going to allow them to make a life-altering decision that uh, removes or, or appendages from their body. It It's nuts. It's genuinely nuts. You're going to allow them to ingest drugs that alter their, their hormone cycles, their biological hormone cycles, and pretend it has no lasting consequence? It, it's nuts. It, it, it's genuinely nuts. I say all of that to say this. I think conservatives should, where they can, pass laws stopping this. But I want to say something else, too. See, i got to preface it with that so I can say this. A person of any age who decides they are in the wrong body, whether because of peer pressure or school pressure or parental pressure, or their own mental pressure. Anyone who decides they are in the wrong body and needs to have life-altering surgeries to get them in the right body is someone for whom we should have profound sympathy, if not empathy. We can disagree without being jerks, particularly if you're a politician. Now, I know it doesn't matter what you say, someone's going to perceive you as being a jerk. But just think about this issue. Uh, I, have a, I have a theory, and it's a theory that's been playing out in real time in American politics over the last number of years, and on radio, I will not use the language I would use off radio. I will say biblical donkey as opposed to Jack A-double-S. There are children listening. I think Americans really don't like biblical donkeys in politics. I think it's one of the reasons Donald Trump lost in 2020. And I think it's why a lot of Republican candidates in 2018 and 2022 lost because they saw Donald Trump win in 28 or 2016 and decided, oh, he fights. That's what you heard. He fights. And they interpreted that as be a biblical donkey. 
get in people's faces, yell at them, harass them, act like Marjorie Taylor Greene. He fights, she fights. And I think most Americans actually don't like that. And I think that's one reason Republicans have lost when they should be winning is because a lot of them, Kerry Lake, come across as biblical donkeys. See, let me expand the theory. I have this theory. American voters don't like biblical donkeys. And I have this theory. Majority of American voters don't think that children should be coerced, compelled, or allowed to go through genital mutilation surgery when they're a minor and and don't have the capacity to make a contract, vote, have a beer, drive a car, or or get a tattoo or smoke. And, and, And most Americans are like, yeah, we probably shouldn't be putting them on hormone blockers that could have lasting damage or allow them to to chop off or add body parts through plastic surgery. Probably not a good thing. I think most Americans are with us on that. But I think don't be a biblical biblical donkey trumps that. No pun intended. I think when Americans look at you and think, okay, I agree with this guy, but he's a bit of a biblical donkey. I don't think I want to put up with this guy for four years. The voters are going to side with the people whose policies they don't particularly like because they actually kind of like that person. You can disagree with me, but know you're in the majority. Every single one of you out there muttering right now about, but, but, but the mean tweets, I'd rather have the mean tweets. Yes, you would, but a majority of Americans didn't. Every one of you say he fights, but he lost three times, 2018, 2020, 2022. Candidates went down in flames who acted like him. He himself lost to everyone except Hillary Clinton, which tells you what a bad candidate she was. All I'm saying is this. Voters will allow you to fight on these cultural issues if you are not a biblical donkey. And if you are a biblical donkey... Voters will say, I might agree with this guy, but he's too much of a jerk. I disagree on the transgender issue. I disagree on the abortion issue. But if you can't address the hypothetical scenario of, well, what happens if a child is raped and gets pregnant and you don't want the person, you don't want the child, the 14, 15-year-old to have an abortion, and you can't answer that question without being a jerk, without showing some level of sympathy or empathy, even if you still want to save the unborn child within the child, if you can't answer the question without being a jerk, you're undermining your own side. you got to have at least basic empathy for people. 
And I think on the Republican side for some time now, people saw Trump and they misinterpreted his win in 2016, which was more about how bad Hillary Clinton was. It wasn't that he fights. It wasn't that he was in people's faces being a biblical donkey and and American voters love that. Sure, some of them did. It felt good to some of them. It felt good to a lot of voters. It feels good to me sometimes. It feels absolutely good to me sometimes to see Republicans punch back. Sometimes you have to punch the bully. I just think a lot of times these days, it's not that we have to finally punch the bully. It's that we just want to punch the other side. And so we're going to say, well, they're a bully. They deserved it every time. You be a biblical donkey, you lose. Americans think of themselves as nice people. In fact, there was a poll out a couple weeks ago that the world thinks we're nicer than Canadians these days. Nice guys don't finish last. You just can't be a bully to the other side. At least try to meet them where they are. I'm. I listen. I. I. I really disagree with someone who decides God actually meant for me to be a woman, but He accidentally made me a man. No, God meant for you to be a man. You're made in God's image. But if you're willing to go through what, y'all, my wife, right after we got married, had to have a double mastectomy and reconstructive surgery. And those reconstructions, she had, I think, four reconstructive surgeries over multiple years. It was an arduous process. It was a painful process for her. If you're going to put yourself through something like that, there's clearly something wrong, and we can disagree and we can recognize there's something wrong and you feel something wrong and, and we can we can show some empathy for you. Yeah, we get it. You're going through something. No one would put themselves through this. We disagree. We think it's mental health. We wish you would get treatment. We don't think you should do this, but you're going through something. We don't have to be the jerk about it. And now I'm going to make the political point that the other side is going to be mad at me for making having said all of that. If you're not the jerk about it and you pursue the the policies and you pursue it with passion and conviction because you really believe it's wrong, but you're empathetic and understanding to the other side, you and I know how the transgender activists work. They are mean. They are ruthless. They are censorious. They will still come for you. And we, you are the empathetic person who has conviction, who disagrees, who's nice but advancing conservative policy and they're nasty and brutal to you, they're going to come off even worse and undermine their side even more. And that helps your side to not be the jerk because they can't help themselves. Defines the transgender movement at this point. They are angry, malcontented people who are ruthless in what they do and they want to shut you up. And the American people, what do they not like? Biblical donkeys. And when you're the kind, convictional guy pushing your pr- proposals, and they're the biblical donkeys, it helps you even more. And then there's something else. Don't just focus on this issue. You got to talk about the voters' issues first. Talk about the voters' issues first. Talk about jobs and the economy and crime. And if you talk about the voters' issues where the voters are, the voters will let you take on the cultural issues you care passionately about. When you look at 2022 and what happened, 
the Republicans who won were the Republicans who talked about these issues, these cultural issues, these social issues, but they focused first on jobs and the economy and crime. They met the voters where the voters were. The voters really were concerned about the economy and crime, and the Republicans who won talked first about the economy and crime and then these other issues. The Republicans who lost were the culture warriors who only wanted to talk about abortion and transgenderism and drag queens, and they lost. They lost because they didn't talk to the voters about the voters' issues first. The voters will give you unlimited license, it seems like, to do what you want to do on the issues on which you care passionately about, but you must first care passionately about their issues. And then you must do something else. You know what it is. Don't be a biblical donkey. Don't do it. Show some empathy for people. Disagree, but show empathy. And we can get this stuff done. I, I, I find the whole thing absolutely maddening. You don't want a 13-year-old to have a tattoo. You don't want a 13-year-old to have a gun. You don't want a 13-year-old to have a beer. You don't want a 13-year-old to have a cigarette. You don't want a 13-year-old to be behind the wheel. You don't want a 13-year-old to have the right to vote. But my God, you're going to let them have life-altering hormonal surgeries and and uh, y- 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 taking off parts of their body. It's just absolutely maddening to me. This is an insane thing that we are living through. It's insane. And then you're going to allow a five- or six-year-old to attend a drag queen show where they're performing sex acts on stage, and you think it's it's right? No, this is insane. This is not right, and most people know it. And if you talk about it in a compassionate way that most people know, and you're not a biblical donkey, they're going to side with you because they recognize it's madness. They just want to know you are not crazy, and you're not a biblical donkey. If they understand that, you're going to win. Yes, you can. It's an open line Friday, and I'm going to go back to the phones. Nate, you're going to be up next. Thanks for being patient. How are you? I'm great. How are you doing? Good. What's going on? Uh, just, just harking back to a comment you made earlier, and I think this kind of goes with you know your biblical donkey argument. You know, you mentioned that you know Republicans, I guess, have failed to communicate with the other side, and I think at the national level, there's this feeling, at least among Republican voters, is that. You know, so what if we talk to them? We always compromise away our principles. We always compromise away our power. They never do that, nor do they feel like they never have to. And I think an example of that is with the debt ceiling, okay, we're getting cuts. They're not cuts. They're just squeezing spending. That's not a cut. So I, I think a lot of Republican voters feel like, you know, what's the point? We never win. So, I mean, what do you say to that? How do you reconcile that? Uh, that my Democratic friends say the exact same thing. Uh, I go on Bill Maher's show, and he is always pointing over at me and saying, you guys are ruthless. You never compromise. You get everything you want. Uh, we don't get anything we want. We, we run the table on you. And I laugh and say, that's not true. We're, we're the ones who, who constantly capitulate and compromise. And both sides say the exact thing about the other side at all times, and both sides believe it so epistemically you can't convince them it's not true. Um, that doesn't mean you have to you, – you can't – do it and you shouldn't do it because of this. It's not actually about the other side, Nate. Uh, it's not actually about persuading Democrats. It's persuading those people in the middle who are the constant swing voters. Uh, you're probably never going to convince the Democrats. You're right on any issue at all. Uh, but you're going to convince the independent voters that you're right by engaging with the Democrats. And it's somewhat of a secret weapon at this point because Democrats have become so isolated in urban enclaves in the country, they don't know any of us to reach out to. 
The odds are, if you're listening right now, you are commuting somewhere to work into an area that has more Democrats. So you interact with them way more than they interact with you. And you, by virtue of doing that, have the ability to speak in a way they don't. You understand their arguments better than they understand your arguments because you have to interact with them. They don't have to interact with you. And that's about persuading the independent voters and persuading the independent voters to vote for you and your side. It really doesn't have anything to do with persuading the other side. It has everything to do with persuading the independents. And if you're not looking like you're trying to engage the Democrats and maybe pulling some of them from you, you're not going to persuade a single moderate or independent voter to come to your side because the moderate independent voters want you to work for their vote. And you work for their vote by reaching out and making a persuasive case. And by the way, Kevin McCarthy is going to get cuts on the debt ceiling from Joe Biden. They may not be what you want, but they're going to be something. Greetings, conversationalists. Welcome across America. The phone number 877-973-7425. You, if you're a regular listener, have heard me on the program talk to my buddy Josh Youssef, who is the head of the nonprofit Help the Persecuted. They help persecuted Christians around the world. Uh, You'll hear me do a, a uh, ad for them every once in a while. It, it's a fantastic group. Josh, fantastic guy. It, he happens to have a father who's even more fantastic named Michael Youssef, who is the senior pastor at Church of the Apostles in Atlanta, Georgia, and has been on the program before, but it's been a while. Dr. Youssef, how are you? Wonderful, Eric. So thank you for having me. Great to talk to you. And I, I don't spend enough time also praising Jonathan as well. You got some good kids. We are blessed of God. We have four wonderful children, and uh, they're all in their own way, serving and uh, and walking with the Lord. And their families, we're blessed with 14 grandchildren. And uh, we, uh, I mean, the 14th is, is, is in the oven, but uh, we still count him or her. <laughs> <laughs> wow, 14 grandkids. Um, yeah. Goodness gracious. Oh, and okay. I remember all their birthdays. Uh, good for you. Uh, I, I have my secretary remind me of my wife's birthday. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I keep them all logged away. Um, now, so I know this weekend um, at Church of the Apostles, you've got a special guest coming. Yes. Uh, my old friend, Mike Pence, whom I have known and followed since uh, his days in Congress as a congressman from Indiana. And... Um, in fact, I remember many conversations I've had with the late Chuck Colson and with the, with, the, with the currently live and well Dr. James Dobson, two of my good friends. And uh, we often talked about uh, what an amazing congressman he has been. And, uh, and then we were so thrilled that when he became governor of Indiana. And, of course, we were delighted that uh, he uh, served as vice president. He's a, he's a man of God. He loves the Lord Jesus, his life and his testimony is very clear, and he makes it very clear above partisan politics, above everything else. Christ is everything to him. And so he really it comes to speak as a brother in Christ, a friend. And uh, I loved his book, uh, So Help Me God. Mm-hmm. And uh, I really consider it's a, it's a unique model, practical example of grace and truth. And uh, telling the truth, but with grace and constantly exercising and practicing the grace of God that he has experienced in his own life. 
You, you, you mentioned Chuck Colson, not to get on too much of a, of a tangent, but I, I met him once, and what a just profoundly moving experience to meet him and, and to his passion for uh, people in prison and ministering to those yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and helping people. Just, just what, a, what a wonderful person he was. Yes, and, uh, and, and then I'm, I'm so glad he actually began to kind of look at the culture w- w- from a biblical point of view and started his, uh, his commentaries on radio for uh, many years, and now we've got a, a treasure trove of, of those. And, uh, and, of course, there's a Colson Institute now that uh, he uh, left behind that uh, continue his legacy of uh, biblical worldviews. Uh, yeah, I mean, he, he came out of a very painful experience of the Watergate, and turned it around and uh, used it for uh, for good and for God's glory. Yeah, he was a dear friend, and I, I, I really still miss him. Uh, it was a very great encourager to me uh, when I was young back then, those days. And um, I was, in fact, always endorsed all my books. And uh, <laughs> without, without even hesitation, he was just a, a, a great, a great uh, Man and and he also was a, a mentor to Mike Pence, mm-hmm. and so we we had that in, have that in common. Now I, I want to the vice president Mike Pence. I I always run into these conversations with people who say good people just can't get elected in American politics. That no good person wants to do this. I've I have not known uh, the vice president as long as you have. I've been a friend of his. Gosh, probably maybe 15 or so years now, and it just seems like this is a man who cares passionately for the country. His, his wife is a wonderful person as well. They've got a great family, yep. and it's just yep. the kind of person you want as a civil servant in the country. Exactly, and 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 he, did, and, and he sees his serving of the people in the United States, Indiana first and then as the vice president. He sees that as part of his stewardship as a Christian believer. That is, he gives it his all and uh, but he never gets confused about you know his faith which is primary and he always says that introduces himself says i'm mike pence i'm christian first conservative second then republican and and uh, despite of all that of course he gets hit from both sides and but uh, that's part of the price you pay for taking a stand definitely so it, it i'm I worry sometimes that the politics in the country have gotten so nasty and yep. so personal that it does keep good people from wanting to run for office. And, and then you see a man like that who some people say, oh, he's too nice. We, we, we can't have someone that nice. Like that, that's exactly who you want. Yes, and, and, and somebody who can speak the truth without hesitation, but at the same time doesn't have that bitterness and canker in his soul and anger toward his his opponents. I mean, the days of uh, you know Reagan and Tip O'Neill uh, after having their differences go out and have a beer. Those days are gone, which is a very sad day, uh, truly, um, for America. I mean, this is what really, as a boy growing up in Egypt under socialist dictatorship, I was longing for the day, and I would go and read and as much as I can get my hand onto. About the freedom and, the, and 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 civil liberties and all of these things that that has made America such an attractive place for me, and I escaped literally with the clothes on my back 70, uh, 53 years ago, and I'm so 
glad to be an American. I'm, I'm, I'm just always proud to be American. I don't like to be hyphenated American. And yet what I'm seeing today is something that makes me grieve and sometimes sometimes actually makes me weep because I, I hate this happening to the greatest country and the greatest uh, documentations, whether it be the Constitution or the Bill of Rights or even the Federalist Papers. I mean, they, these, they, just nothing in history comes close. And, and with all of these incredible blessings, we're tossing them out on the street. Yeah, it, it's, uh, you know, I, I think, you know, I, I grew up in Dubai, and it just, it, it always strikes me how uh, going around the world as a kid, everyone was just, loved the United States, and, and people yep. died to get here, and, and yep. it seems like we have been here for so long, we just take it for granted almost. Yes, and I, I was talking to another uh, program, and, and I said, look, just think about this, the greatest country in the world has the highest teen depression, highest teen suicide, when when people are lining up, uh, and I've traveled the world, I've, I've circled the globe actually 67 times since 1977, and I've seen people lining up in American embassies all over the world, and they're dying to get come here, and and yet you know here we are in, in this country, uh, people literally not valuing their life, and uh, and this this just, and I I believe that unless God intervenes, um, you know. This is going to get worse, uh, uh, and of course, unless I've just written a book called "Is This the End?" Is the end near? And it could be, you know, that we are facing coming towards some eschatological uh, uh, event of the return of the Lord, and um, uh, which would be fine, wonderful, <laughs> whether He gives us sins of survival or a returns uh, to take His believers uh, home to heaven. Either way is fine by me, but uh, certainly we are, we are keep hitting new rock bottoms. Every time I think, oh, we hit the bottom. No, no, there's another bottom <laughs> and then another bottom. <laughs> right. Okay, well, you shouldn't have mentioned that because now I, I, I have to – we'll get back to the vice president here for a minute. But I just I, – I, I want to let people hear from you. And if you're just joining the program, I'm talking to Dr. Michael Youssef of Church of the Apostles in Atlanta. I, I get this question asked now more than any time in my radio career of do you think we're in the end times? And, and my response is we're not going to know the day. And you shouldn't be fretful because you have to take care of today and God will take care of tomorrow. And, and would love to get you to chime in on that. Absolutely. I've just, as I told you, I've just written a book. Uh, it became a bestseller on Amazon, uh, is, is The End Near. And, uh, and what I do, I don't get into all the, 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 the charts and stuff. And <laughs> I just went <laughs> to Matthew 24, and, I lo- and the, the question was very clear on the part of the disciples. What are the signs? of your nearest of your return. And he gives them six. It talks about a woman, pregnant woman, and labor pain toward the end. Of course, we always had earthquakes, and we always had wars and rumors of wars. All these six things have always been with us. But if our Lord gives us this image of a woman in labor pain, that those things are going to happen in closer, closer intervals and in much more intensity as we're seeing now. So that's what I focused on in the book. And, and I really like you know people to just see for the believers, when they see these things, they are not far from being afraid. They ought to lift up their heads, because uh, the days of redemption, our day of our redemption, draws near. And uh, as the congregation always uh, hear me say, you know, uh, we've read the last chapter and we win. Amen. And I, I fear not. I, 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 I'm, I'm sorry that the younger generation not going to know an America that we knew, but 
also the hope of the return of Christ wipes all that out and and make us look forward to new heaven and a new earth. That's well said. Okay, uh, the Vice President of the United States, Mike Pence, will be at Church of the Apostles uh, this weekend. If someone wanted to go um, hear him this weekend, what do they need to know? Oh, they just need to show up at 1030. Uh, you know, we are, we are welcoming church. We are Bible-believing. We, we, you know, we are, we are we're evangelical, Bible-believing church. Uh, had roots in the Anglican tradition, but now we're independent. And uh, we love Jesus, and uh, anybody who wants to come and worship Jesus and hear a testimony from a brother in Christ, because he's not here speaking as a politician or as a, uh, a former politician, he's of course speaking, uh, giving his testimony. And uh, as, as I said, uh, and afterward, by the way, there will be a chance uh, for folks to have their books uh, autographed by him and give and greet him at the end of uh, at the end of the service. Fantastic. Dr. Youssef, thank you so much for joining me. I appreciate it so much. Absolutely. Thank you so much, brother. Thank you for having me. Thank you. uh, I was so glad to be down your way and had wonderful events down there at the Coliseum. Yes, I'm, you know, we were on spring break uh, that weekend when it happened, but, and I'm, I'm so glad there was a crowd there and and it was a great event. The youth night, Friday night, it was remarkable. So many Mercer University students came and hundreds of young people came to Christ Friday night and Saturday night, same thing with the main event at the Coliseum. So uh, I know you keep that place warm down there. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, indeed. Thank you so much. It's always good to hear from you. I'll see you this weekend. Thank you, my friend. God bless. God bless. Michael Youssef, uh, Dr. Michael Youssef, he is the senior pastor at Church of the Apostles in Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, Vice President Mike Pence will be giving his testimony in church there on Sunday uh, in Atlanta, uh, not a political event. Uh, it will be him, and I will be there uh, to see him. They, the, the Pence family asked if I would come sit with them at church on Sunday, so I'll be up there as well. Uh, 877-973-7425 is the phone number. It's an open line Friday if you want to be on the program. Right now, let me tell you about the Eden Pure Thunderstorm. Y'all, I am really, really glad that I had the Eden Pure Thunderstorm with me uh, yesterday when I was in Louisville. I stayed at a very nice hotel, but the there was a Morgan Wallen concert, and the people in the room next to me until they were booted out of the room were smoking and it drifted into my room, and I had my Eden Pure Thunderstorm. Did not have to, I fired that thing up, uh, just plugged it into the wall, and did not have to worry that my clothes and everything were going to smell like cigarette smoke from the people next door. It really does work. You can buy one, get one free this week, EdenPureDeals.com. You put Eric in as your promo code. It's an air purifier, so it'll get rid of the it'll get rid of the dust. It'll get rid of the pollen. But it's an odor eliminator as well. So if you got cooking odors, frying odors, litter box odors, pet odors, smoke odors, musty odors, it will wipe out those odors. I will testify this thing works. I put it in my hotel room. I, I ran in, was able long enough to just check into my hotel yesterday afternoon in Louisville, uh, could smell the cigarette smoke, and like, oh, this is going to be bad. I fired up the Eden Pure Thunderstorm, was not in my hotel room for 15 minutes. I just was there long enough to put on my shirt and my coat and leave and didn't get back until midnight last night. And all the cigarette smoke was gone. And I had a, had a fine night's sleep. Great hotel. It's just the crazy drunk people from the concert were, oh, I feel bad for the hotel stuff. EdenPureDeals.com, though. EdenPureDeals.com. You put in Eric, E-R-I-C-K. You buy one, get one free. Buy two, get two free. 
EdenPureDeals.com. It is Eric as the discount code. You buy one Eden Pure Thunderstorm, you get the second one free. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson here. This is what is it? I, I'm sorry, y'all. Um, I, I'm I'm texting ferociously during. I have so many backed up text messages from yesterday because I was so swamped. But nonetheless, okay. Um, the phone number here, 877-973-7425. This hour is brought to you by First Liberty Building and Loan in Newton, Georgia. Don't let that deter you. If you're in California, Maine, Florida, wherever, they can help your business grow. If you're buying a building, building a building, buying a franchise, you're expanding, reach out to them. FirstLibertyGA.com. FirstLibertyGA.com. Okay, to the phones. Richard, you're going to be up next. Welcome. Thank you. Eric, for taking my call. I appreciate it. Um, I listen to you, you know, a couple times a week while I'm driving around, and I appreciate your efforts to give us the information and, and give us the facts as you see them. Earlier today, I heard you talking about, uh, use the term that I I had not heard you use before called biblical donkey. Yes. And my quest, my question is, can you, I'm, I'm a, an old white guy, conservative, um, and, and I have pretty strong values, especially in certain areas, but what what does that, can you define that for me? Yes, well, and, and I assume you know, the, the, I'm, I'm just trying not to say Jack A-double-S on the radio with kids listening. Um, right, and, and your, 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 your gentleman sort of explained that to me. And yeah, so and I so what I, okay. okay, so I... I increasingly hear, for example, on the transgender issue, um, which I completely agree on picking this fight. In the last week, uh, there was a legislator in North Carolina who referred to the kids going through this by some pretty awful slurs, um, making the attacks very personal and and, uh, derogatory in a way that I think undermines our cause. And, and I don't think that's necessary. Um, I There was a uh, politician in Minnesota last week who, when asked uh, how he would deal with a 14-year-old girl who was raped, uh, blamed her parents and said it was the parents' fault that they would put the kid in a position of being raped uh, and uh, that they would have to deal with the consequences of it. And there was another guy uh, in the South who used the F slur to talk about gay Americans in discussing his opposition to gay marriage. And all I'm saying is you don't have to be that guy in dealing with these issues. Uh, It undermines us. Uh, When you're dealing with race relations in America and you use the N-word, you're you're going to alienate everyone. Uh, When you uh, have someone who actually is sincerely asking you a question about uh, I, I'm pro-life, but if my child gets pregnant, I don't think my child should be precluded from an abortion if she's raped. And you say, well, that's your fault. Uh, if your kid gets raped, you're going to have to deal with the consequences because a 14 year old shouldn't be anywhere to get raped. I'm just thinking you don't, do you hear yourself speaking? People do, do you hear yourself speaking? I'm not saying, uh, don't fight. I'm not saying surrender. I'm just saying, don't be a jerk. You, you attract more flies with honey than vinegar. I guess I'm what I'm saying, but also don't be a biblical donkey. I mean, people don't want to hang out with people like that, and they certainly don't want to vote for them, and you're undermining your own cause when you are that way. You don't have to do that. 